Hello all and welcome to the very first episode of the Sports Ethos Charlotte Hornets podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford, and I just want to take a moment to say thank you for anyone listening, anybody who's a fan of the Charlotte Hornets, anyone who is a fan of Sports Ethos Family Podcast, anyone who is a fan of myself maybe. If you are so inclined, I do appreciate it. I'm very happy to have the opportunity to break down the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs this season, the many downs of the Charlotte Hornets for Sports Ethos. And just want to give a shout out to the Sports Ethos team for taking a chance on me both and Brewski, Dan Bespris for really giving me the opportunity and the platform with which to speak basketball and opening up opportunities for me through podcasting to, you know, really look at how I look at team coverage and how I look at the NBA and how I cover and interact with others and just really the chance to grow, most importantly. So I want to start this whole series off by just giving a sincere thank you to both those two and anyone else who's listened to me and given me any advice or help over the years. I just am so grateful for any of the support and help. I just want to grow and get better every day, and I appreciate anyone who helps me in that journey and any advice, constructive or otherwise. Criticism in that way, it all helps. So just we'll start off there. But I am excited to talk Charlotte Hornets. I was talking to Dan a while back and some other friends of mine. I'm like, you know, I really want to just take a team that I can sink my teeth into from a perspective of not being a fan. I I, I love basketball. That's, That's where my hope, that's where my love, that's where all of my energy goes. But I love all of it. But I have a team that I like to watch and I have players I'm attracted to. And with Charlotte, I was able to get a team that has a thriving community. Uh, if you read any work from At The Hive, if you listen to any um, of the BuzzFeed podcasts, which I'm a big fan of, if you happen to find yourself on Fanside and you uh, read any of the Swarm and Sting uh, content there, I mean, I am very big on all of it. Everything Charlotte Hornets, because the fans are so energized, even when things are not going well. And this Charlotte Hornets team is not very good, and we're going to talk about them in a second here, but to be able to contribute and give my own insight and own perspective and have many of those guests on this show is something that I'm very much looking forward to, and I guess I can go even into more of what I'm excited about with this podcast, because it's not just the the current scope of the team and the guests I can have on. You know, where the Hornets are, they're going to be major players in the NBA draft, <laughs> whether, you know, they pick at the very top, whether they're, uh, you know, spot three, spot four, they're, they're, they're within play. They're going to get a high lottery pick. That much is certain. And so this gives me opportunity to bring on draft evaluators and other people who are well-versed on college basketball and NBA draft prospects and can give their takes and analysis on what players would fit with this Hornets team. And we could bring on front office experts to realize, you know, where the Hornets are to kind of take stock of that and also to see where they can go from here, whatever the direction may be, whether that is to try and contend with is to embrace the rebuild. Uh, there's so many different avenues and to have people well versed in basketball and even more knowledgeable than myself on these subjects is going to be tremendously helpful not only for the show but just for myself and learning about this team and having a better understanding than I already do so I'm very excited about that but I'm also a big fan not just of the present or future of a team but also the past 
I feel like there's so many players, moments in, in, in NBA history, but Charlotte Hornets history in general that don't get enough love or don't get enough appreciation or don't get enough shout outs. And if you look at all the basketball that we have now, you know, it was built on the shoulders of giants before us, both the ones we know quite well and ones that aren't maybe as mainstream. And so for the Charlotte Hornets, I'm not just looking at a Kemba Walker, you know, or a Ban- Baron Davis, right? But let's go back further. Let's talk Gerald Wallace and Emeka Okafor. They're in the Bobcat years. And yeah, we, we kind of have to talk Bobcat years, right? Let's go back to the 90s, right? You have Larry Johnson, Alonzo Mourning, Muggsy Bogues, Del Curry, Glenn Rice, you know, Jamal Mashburn in the early 2000s with P.J. Brown, Derek Coleman in the late 90s, you know, Anthony Mason. Like, there are some memorable players and some memorable squads in Charlotte Hornets history that is going to be great to take a walk down memory lane uh, with some, you know, classic game lookbacks, some series lookbacks, player profiles, you know, interviewing people who covered the team back then will be exciting. There is so much to dig into for the Charlotte Hornets that I'm pumped. I cannot wait to get into this with y'all and start this journey as we cover this team that, yeah, although right now, not super great, have had great moments and are sure to have many more to come. But with that intro out the way, um, by myself, real, real short, I love basketball. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, you know, live in Arizona, uh, but I follow all teams and I have uh, just a special affinity to these small down on their luck squads. Not saying that Charlotte is that traditionally, but they are that right now, right? Lakers fan by heart, you know, always love the purple and gold, but basketball was taught to me at a young age by my father, and all of the excitement I get from it is a mix of the principles he instilled in me about how the game was properly played and how to embrace the love and the beauty of the game with my own joy and maybe the quirkier aspects of it. I love the guys who come up and down the court and they're just looking to get up their shot. That that unbridled confidence, that is exciting to me, you know. Um, my, 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 my pantheon of players includes a current uh, Hornet, Terry Rozier, but also Monte Ellis, Michael Beasley, Latrell Sprewell, Russell Westbrook. It's a very eclectic mix of players, and I, I am well aware, but it's also a mix of talented, passionate players, and I consider myself a passionate fan so i i also think of myself as a story of the game i love soaking up any bit of content i can get on this basketball that we see before us all 75 years um any type of article any podcast any game um documentary i am all eyes ears all the senses for it like basketball is a passion of mine and I love talking about it, and so here we are now, and as far as my affinity to the Hornets, I actually started a couple of years ago when Terry Rozier first joined the team, and I was looking at a young squad that had um, Kim Walker had just left, going to Boston after having been a standout mainstay for the Hornets for several years, and it was Terry Rozier, and it was Devontae Graham, of course you had um, the Bridges brother, uh, the one not named Mikel, right? Um, and you had an interesting group of, of young players, and to watch them grow and develop and others flourish in other places. Devontae Graham had a nice run in Charlotte and a decent run in New Orleans. We've seen what Terry Rozier has grown into. Um, 
you know, it, it, they've, P.J. Washington's grown before eyes. Like, they've had a lot of good players. I can even go back a couple years ago, a player I really thought was going to be a star for the Charlotte Hornets. This is during the um, Kemba Walker years, but P.J. Harrison. I thought P.J. Harrison was going to be a straight-up stud for the Hornets. Didn't work out, but that was one of my guys. But anyways, that was a bit about myself um, and the parallels of where I come with the Charlotte Hornets and the intersection of that. That's probably a better word. Um, Just wanted to share a little bit of that before we go into the team of the hour and the team of the podcast and the team of the future and the team of the present, even though they're not very good right now, which is the Charlotte Hornets. So we are going to get right into it. As I record this, we are dropping this on the 2nd of February. 2023, just for those historians out there, the Hornets are not sitting pretty great. They're 15 and 37. That is 14th in the Eastern Conference. That is the fourth worst record in the NBA. Tankathon gives the Hornets the fourth pick right now in the 2023 NBA draft. And we're going to get well into the draft in the future for sure. I'm very excited to sink my teeth in that and really put on my scouting hat and try to evaluate some talent that could fit with this Charlotte Hornets squad because <laughs> it's going to happen. But that's not right now, right? Looking at the current. Currently, Let's give a little state of the Hornets here, right? Points per game, as of the first of the month, averaging 112.3 points per game, which is great if this is 2009. Like, that's amazing. Fortunately, we're in 2023, and as it stands, that's good for 25th out of the 30 teams in the NBA, right? Uh, opponents' points per game. How well are they stopping, folks? Well, again, all these stats are as of the first. They are holding opponents to 118.7 points per game, which... Probably isn't great in 2009, but definitely ain't great in 2023 either. They are currently 28th ranked in that category. Offensive rating, the Hornets are at 109.8, which is 29th. Defensive rating, the Hornets are at 116.1, which is 27th overall. And net rating, the Hornets are negative 6.3, which is 27th. So, just looking at that, you can tell, okay, this team is not very good. If you're ranked in the bottom five across all categories, you have the fourth best odds at the top spot of the NBA draft. You're 15-37. All of that tells you that is not super great, right? Um, And a lot of that, I mean, if we're going to go to the story of the Hornets team, it's not been great. If we had to give a synopsis, I described in one word, I would say the word is rough. Between the Miles Bridges arrest from the offseason, uh, the continued proof of the disaster of the Gordon Hayward signing, the very much just weird and rehiring of the old retread in Steve Clifford, the long list of players that have been lost this season for stretches due to injury, it's been one thing after another after another. Um, Lamella Ball has only been able to play 25 games with repeated ankle injuries and just bad luck. He's been playing great when he has played, but just not a lot of that. Kelly Oubre was a bright spot for a bit, but he's been down. Uh, of course, I guess, the well, not I guess, but the Miles Bridges situation almost derailed the team's offseason plans before they started. They weren't really able to make any impact, really. Um, young players like James Booknight still have not quite leapt off the ground just yet. Um, others like Mark Williams have just only recently gotten going uh, for this Hornet squad. Guys that were having promising seasons out of nowhere, like Dennis Smith Jr., have had to battle injuries as well. Injuries have just rattled this team up and down. You have several different players who have not reached 50 games this year. You have three of which, or two of which rather, who have not cleared 30. And those two guys who have included 30 are two of your 
supposed main players. One being LaMelo Ball, the other, and I said supposed just because in, in the inability to play has been the constant for him, is Gordon Hayward. Um, I already mentioned LaMelo, LaMelo Ball's played 25 games. Gordon Hayward's only played 26. Um, and when he's played, the numbers have not been exactly pretty. With 45 percent from the field not super bad 80 percent from the field not bad but 30 percent from three averaging 13 four and a half and three and a half points rebounds and assists so not super great there um just been a rough year now we sit at the trade season the trade season in trade season just about a week out before the trade deadline with two weeks remaining and honestly it's gut check time for this hornets team and for this front office led by mitch kupchak to really evaluate this roster. And there is a nice, tidy list of things to consider. So, consider we shall. We gotta start with whether the Hornets are buyers or sellers. And honestly, that feels pretty simple. The answer here is clearly sellers. Because Charlotte has pieces that would be very useful in other teams. But maybe not as much for a squad that is 15 or 37. So, take your pay. Is it Plum Dog Millionaire, <laughs> Mason Plumley? The 32-year-old has been having a career year. He's averaging 12.2 points on 67% shooting to go along with 9.8 rebounds and 3.6 assists per game. And he could easily help a team in need of center depth. I think of a team like the Clippers. You know, looking for uh, playmaking and some reinforcements at, at, at the center spot. And listen, Mason Plumlee is not going to supplant Avicii Zubac at the starting five, but he could be a very solid player as a backup piece. And I think of all the players that are currently available for trade for the Hornets, he could probably get you maybe a first, which is crazy to think about going into the season and just looking at the career path of Mason Plumlee. But he has been very, very good. He picked an amazing time to have a career year and at 32 to boot. Um, Or maybe it's a Terry Rozier who suits your fancy. Teams like the Suns looking for someone to succeed Chris Paul and play alongside Devin Booker could come calling for the 28-year-old who is averaging career high in points. And assists, averaging 21.7 points per game, 5.1 assists, shooting 33% from three, which is not super great, but getting them up at a solid clip. And you also have to think about the degree of difficulty with which his threes have come. Um, they've been pretty difficult, y'all. There's not a whole lot of offensive threats on this team. So you're looking at a guy who can kind of run some second side offensive action, can be a capable scorer, kind of swing between the point guard and shooting guard spots. There's a solid player in there with Terry Rozier. Or is maybe Kelly Oubre your guy? Uh, he's been silent for the past month, recovering from surgery on his left hand. But, I mean, the six foot six swingman can definitely bring some playoff quality attributes when managed well. You know, he's not someone you're going to throw the keys to and say, okay, take us home. He's not even going to someone you're going to, he's not even going to be someone that I think is going to be like, okay, we roll him out as our starting wing, you know, for 35 minutes a night. But, He's a kind of of jack-of-all-trades type player. Uh, Before he got injured, he was one of the six players in the league, averaging 20 points, five rebounds, and a steal and a half per game. The other four, Dallas' Luka Doncic, Miami's Jimmy Butler, Atlanta's DeJounte Murray, and the Clippers' Paul George. Two of those four all-stars between Doncic and Paul George. So, he definitely put up his numbers. He's also cracked double figures in scoring in his first 34 games. That was the longest span of his career. And again... You know, playoff teams could look at that and and definitely be intrigued. You know, it's somebody that can bring some flexibility from that wing spot. It's somebody that's going to be able to defend. Um, He's going to be a good cutter. 
uh, downhill driver, occasionally a good shooter, very streaky from there, very streaky. But at the same time, he's someone that can do that as well. Um, but he wants to be in Charlotte. So, you know, if you're Charlotte, do you look at a guy who's still young, you know, um, and you look at Kelly Uber and you're like, okay, right now we have a guy who is a veteran, but a young veteran, you know, um, he's just 27 or so relatively young, right? Um, he can definitely bring attributes to this team if we're trying to retool and reload and not fully rebuild. However, if we are trying to rebuild, okay, well then let's look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, right? Can we get a young prospect like Isaac Ahura for Kelly Oubre in a second? Maybe toss in Dylan Winder, Dylan Windler. We'd have to probably to make the salaries match on that. Can you look at Dallas? You know, whether it's getting a, a late first round pick in a future year with some salary flotsam for Kelly Oubre in, you know, a couple seconds and, you know, maybe a, a little known prospect, or not a little known prospect, but a young player that's not being used for Charlotte, you know, or even a player that is being used, like maybe Nick Richards, and you just get better protection on the first-round pick. Like, something like that is possible, because those teams do need help at the forward position, especially somebody who can have a little on-ball creation, very limited on that end, but he can do a little bit of that. So that's another player as well. Again, you have to gauge how much you can get back for him with somebody who wants to be in Charlotte. In fact, here are his words on that. Uh, this was a piece in the Charlotte Observer, but this is what he said. I And I'm going to be quotes right now. Quote, I hope they just keep my name out of it. I'm looking for a home somewhere where I can just win and grow and continue to perfect my craft and also help the city, help this organization. I love everyone on this team and this staff, so I would love to stay here. I'm from New Orleans. The New Orleans Hornets used to be my favorite team, and now I pay, play for the Charlotte Hornets. And it couldn't come more full circle than that. So hopefully God has got in his plan for me to stay. End quote. Now listen, that's sweet, ain't it? Like, I want him to stay. If he wants to stay, like, that's pretty cool. But we all know the NBA is a business, a cold, hard business, right? We've seen that, right? As DeMar DeRozan, <laughs> right? Like, as several other players, what, Isaiah Thomas, <laughs> You know what I mean? Kemba Walker, like, ask players, and they will tell you. So, for Charlotte, yeah, at the end of the day, it's nice to hear that. Heartwarming stuff for someone like myself. But they're going to do what's in the best interest for them. And that's just the way it's going to be. And if you can get a a nice piece back for Kelly Oubre, I expect the Hornets to do that. So, it's something we just kind of have to wait and see. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, if there was ever a time for Charlotte to be active, now is the time. They're nine games out of the play-in tournament. They have to go 23-7 and the rest of the way to match the current win percentage of the 10th seed right now. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, you know? Um, One thing that I do think is interesting is what's going to happen with Jalen McDaniel or P.J. Washington. Both players are going to be free agents this summer, and they're just redundant enough that the team may find they don't need to keep them both. But... Both are interesting young prospects, both under the age of 26. Um, both are highly valued around the league. So the Hornets have their options open if they want to keep these players again uh, to retool. You know, let's say we have a better offseason plan of attack with Lamella Ball still in tow, and we decide to commit to P.J. Washington to keep him around, uh, probably because Miles Bridges, that's a no-go more than likely. You know, hopefully, right? 
and you have him, and then Jalen McDaniels at three, and then LaMelo, and you bring in some more pieces, you keep Kelly Oubre around, and some other guys, you can kind of work in your head a way of this spelling a, you know, eighth seed, ninth seed play-in type spot for the Hornets next year with a better suited roster uh, that will commit more to defense under Coach Clifford. I guess you could see it. That's still the treadmill of mediocrity, but I mean, here we are with the Charlotte Hornets the last 12 years, right? So, not a whole lot there to say, right? But that being said, I mean, one of those guys, I think, is in play to be traded. Maybe it's P.J. Washington, who's not liked his role. He's someone that a team can talk themselves in the potential of him, even though he hasn't shown that much more with the absence of Miles Bridges to think of himself as a breakout player. But, you know, you're a player. You have that confidence in yourself. Maybe he's a player that could be moved. Jalen McDaniels has definitely gotten love around the league, you know? Uh, teams that see him as this lengthy, switchable defender who can knock down a corner three, you know, just that type of archetype of player is is is, is in demand. So you could definitely get Jalen McDaniels. I, I think one of those players is going to be kept around, and the other is probably going to be jettisoned by this trade deadline to get some value recouped for that free agent to be. That's my own personal guess there. Um, Gordon Hayward, man. Ugh. He's still a good player. When he plays, but he's been so injury plagued his last six years or so that it's been it's been just rough to watch. It's been you know rough to see him get these extravagant contracts and make your money. Absolutely, man. But I mean, the play on the court when he does play isn't enough to justify what he's been getting. He's been coming in the last year, this next year, at thirty one point five million left. So it's gonna be hard. <laughs> to find a trade partner that can not only eat that salary, but also can talk themselves into saying, okay, this experience didn't work out for the latter part of the Celtics tenure. It hasn't worked out for his mostly entire Hornets tenure, but it might work out for us. And at 31.5 mil to do it. And we got to bring you some matching salary back and eat this into our space. Like, it's going to be hard to find a team that can do that. I mean, if he was healthy... I'm sure you could find a few teams that would like, you know, a six foot eight wing who can shoot the ball with some distribution skills, can rebound, and can kind of be that steady and kind of cog in a machine, you know, and on certain nights step up and be your number two, number one score occasionally, you know, but that's not something that we've seen so much the last two seasons, and his health has been such that we haven't seen him able to be around that much anyway, so it's going to be interesting. I think that a trade that involves Hayward could happen during this trade deadline, but more than likely, it's probably going to be a salary dump, and that would mean that the Hornets would have to pay a little pretty penny to get off him. You're not getting anything back for him. You are paying for the privilege of trading him, which does that mean a first-round pick coming up? Does that mean an extra young player right now that's getting some run for you that a team might find, you know, kind of tickles their fancy a little bit? Maybe so. The Hornets aren't in a great spot draft capital-wise, and young players will... Um, wise to do that they don't have that 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 treasure trove of of prospects and talent um and picks to be able to make that possible to say okay yeah we can do this just to get off of his contract so if i had to guess i would imagine that hayward stays on past this year but and runs his final year out in charlotte which again that contract we could look back on it in the future but it just wasn't super great to begin with but yeah this hornet squad it's a lot of questions and i think that when you look at where they are right now Obviously, like I said, it's lottery ball season, right? Like, this is where they stand to benefit. And even if they don't make a single move, they're going to be in this spot. 
like I think they I mean they've they've been as injured as they are, they'd have to make up way too much ground. Like they're going to be in play for maybe a Victor Wominyama, maybe a Scoot Henderson. It's been a lost season for Charlotte. Um, and this is the chance for them to pluck a potential superstar from the draft, which is a player they have not had since Michael Jordan became owner back in 2010. So we're going to look a lot more closely at Mason Plumlee, at Terry Rozier, at Kelly Oubre, at Gordon Hayward, like we said. You know, um, We'll see what happens there. Right now the Hornets are squarely in contention for that number one pick, and they can guarantee themselves a prime seat next to that table if they're really active here at this trade deadline. So we'll see what happens there. But we're going to circle back, maybe have another episode here just after the trade deadline, just before, if there's any more news and rumors right now. This is just the first opening episode. I just want to introduce myself, kind of go into where we stand with the Hornets and, and, and get going there. I'm excited to do some game recaps um, in the future here. I'm excited to do some specific pieces of watching a player and just focusing on their strengths, their weaknesses, bringing on some special guests as well. It's going to be a blast, and I just want to thank you again for joining this show. I'm going to have a lot of fun growing and, and hoping that you come along with me as well, and yeah, it might be rough watching some Charlotte Hornets basketball right now, but listen, the wind is at our back, right, like, sunnier skies presumably are ahead, and we are going to find them, and that's just going to be what it is, um, as we record, uh, the Hornets are now 15-38, and 38, having lost to the Chicago Bulls 114-98, to 98. uh, just got blown out in the third quarter, and that was the difference there. Um, but we'll see where they stand the rest of the week. Uh, looking at their last couple of games here before the trade deadline, they play the Detroit Pistons tonight uh, at 5. They play the Orlando Magic on Sunday, and then they play the Washington Wizards on Wednesday. And the day after the trade deadline, they will be playing the Boston Celtics, and we will see what type of roster the Charlotte Hornets are working with. So it's definitely going to be probably where we pick up with our next episode post-trade deadline, seeing what moves the Hornets did or did not make, and also looking at their matchups against both the Pistons, the Magic, and the Wizards, any good takeaways that we can draw from those games. But for now, y'all, this has been a blast. The inaugural episode of the Sports Ethos Hornets podcast is in the books, and I appreciate every listener for taking the chance on me. Listen, stay cool. Take it easy, and until next time, let's go Hornets.